every day that I played basketball, I woke up thinking about how I could be better. And I was reassessing myself every single day to be the best me to win. What's going on? Nothing. Another day. Trying you feeling good? Day, right? Yeah, everything's great. I'll do it this way. Yeah, I kept telling you I was here. I don't know what happened. <laughs> no, I, they updated. They updated the freaking Instagram, so I couldn't find the goddamn live. <laughs> and 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 when you're getting Channing, you're not old like me, but when you're getting old like me, that shit freaks you out. Now listen, look, new updates. I'm almost forty, so new updates are that's too much. I gotta ask my kids what what to do with it. Exactly. Channing, welcome to Self Made. Um, thank you, so thank you, you. so you, you know who I am and, and your fans know I, I own a, I own a wine and liquor company. I own a whole bunch of brands. My past brands, yeah. I don't remember Ace of Spades. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Doucet. I don't know if oh, you know yeah. Doucet. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Bel Air. Uh, my new ones are Bamboo, Rum, and now McQueen. Uh, okay. And I started this series a few years ago called Self Made. It's all about the fact that when I see people holding these bottles, uh, whether it's Ace of Spades or Bel Air or Bamboo, it meant something. You've achieved something. You've done something. And I hate sure. hearing about success. I love hearing about the hard work to get there because that's yeah, what yeah. inspires me. So I start out the same way. And I, I get to interview everybody from Post Malone to Rick Ross to to Warren Sapp, Muggsy Bogues in your sport. Uh, right, right. Um, what does self-made chanting mean to you? I think for me, it just depends on what motivates you. Like for me, every day that I played basketball, I woke up thinking about how I could be better. And I was reassessing myself every single day to be the best me to win. Right? So every day when I woke up, I said, well, I want to eat French toast, but if I eat healthy, I'm going to practice better. If I practice better, I'm going to play better. If I play better, then my team is going to have a better chance to win. So, like, to be self-made and to be self-motivated uh, is to have an idea in your mind of who you are or what you want to accomplish and then put your head down and run through walls, right, or to create doors that weren't there or to be motivated. Sometimes I wake up at 2, 3 in the morning just because I'm dreaming and I want to write down a note of, like, how can I get my wine or how can I, you know, uh, be a better announcer at basketball or how can I, you know, be a better dad? So to me, being self-made is being self-motivated. And I'm not motivated by being famous. I'm not motivated by money. I'm motivated by do, putting, you know, for my wine especially, is putting the best product I can and betraying what I have in my mind in, you know, branding, in our Instagram posts and, the people that I talk to and communicate about it. Where do you think that comes from? Honestly, I think it comes from humility, right? I was never the greatest basketball player um, and throughout my career. I played on six different teams in 14 years. Uh, I started, I've sat, I've been traded, I got DMPs, I've been a champion, uh, I've been one for 22 in a, a playoff game, and then I've gone maybe like eight for nine in the, in later in my career. So for me, being motivated doesn't come from the wins or losses, because if it does, 
that motivation is going to stop eventually. My motivation is being the best me every day. Um, and whatever I put my hands on, I want to make sure that I give it 110%. And that seems cliche, but like I literally have books here from, you know, like all these books are about wine and bettering yourself and better communication. And, um, you know, now that I'm done playing basketball, like I play basketball, I'm 37. I played basketball 37 years of my life. Right. So this is my first month and a half, two months of doing wine, of being a CEO of a wine company. So I'm learning and I could not be happier taking these challenges on and uh, and just being OK with not being comfortable. It is it, when when you look back on. Take me through before the NBA was basketball always was was that your first love was that what you wanted to do no i uh so when i grew up my mom my dad was like i was always tall so i was like six two in the sixth grade but imagine as a kid i was growing two inches every year so i was very awkward right and then the skills it's hard for somebody to play basketball when you can't even like walk in front yeah. of your feet they're like yeah. tripping so for me I loved animals. I loved the ocean. Even though I get seasick every time, I love fishing. So I thought I wanted to be a marine biologist. So That's my parents awesome. bought me this book. They would take, they would drive me every summer to SeaWorld in San Diego from Phoenix, every summer. And I would spend the whole day there and just, just in awe of these animals. And so what basketball was, was an emotional and physical outlet for me. That's uh, where I made my friends. It's where I really had conversations with myself about how much I wanted something and how much like I could, how could I push myself a little bit every day, right? Because there is no, if anybody who's ever worked out really, really hard for something, you know, when your coach says, okay, two more down and backs uh, and you're exhausted and you're like, I can't do any more. Something happens in your brain where you go, just do it. Yeah. Just do it and get it done. Yeah. And, you know, I've tried to take that attitude in the business side of like, you know, I have these ideas and, and these dreams about where I want my wine brand or wine label to go to, but I'm going to have to go through a lot of conditioning to get used to that, to make sure that I'm at peak condition in this new business world. So, um, you know, for me, I'm just, you know, like I said, I'm excited to be in this realm. I'm excited to, and I'm motivated. Obviously, you guys are successful. I've, I tried your champagne. Uh, it, it's you know, it's amazing what so many amazing, it's, it's amazing what really good winemakers and champagne makers are doing nowadays. And they sure. just don't get enough credit. So how did, so I guess, and I'm going to jump around, but if, yeah, we yeah, stick, if we stick with the wine right now, you go from, I, I can just imagine stopping something you've been doing for 37 years. If you don't have a plan, what the fuck do you do? Yep, you retiring the the best advice, which is the just the most simple advice, is you've got to retire to something. Yeah. Did did you retire to something, or you just you just you know what you stopped, and now you got to go figure it out again? I think. Okay, so there was a time in my career where I thought I was on top of the world, and then a doctor told me I was about to die. Right? They thought yeah. I had a heart issue, and so all your plans and whatever the fuck you thought you were gonna do that go completely out the window. So for me, this was 2014. They told me I couldn't play basketball for seven months, right? For a whole year, basically. And I had to come to grips with, 
you know, that idea of God and me and him or her had a long conversation, a lot of long conversations of, is it worth it? And our conversation goes, it's not about is it worth it? Is it, are you ready to start from nothing and work your way out? Are you yeah. ready to heal yourself from the beginning or from the inside and build yourself out that way? Because physically I was there, mentally it was hard for me to say, is this worth it? Is it worth my family? And so throughout my course of my career after that, I appreciated every single opportunity I had to meet people who were just as good as what I was at basketball at whatever they were. So yeah. I was just a beacon for knowledge. Just tell me why you're good at that. Or like, you know, I was on teams with LeBron and Kevin Love. And like, to me, they are brand masters. So I was always learning from them. Like, why do you post this? Or why do you only wear this? Or what is it? Why is this important? So I'm just learning. And then so after I retired, or when I knew I was going to retire, I knew I loved basketball. And I love basketball. I could watch it every day, all day. And I like talking about it. And I felt like I was going to set myself up to have a career in announcing, which I do. Sure. Um, but something came up with wine. And I had an opportunity to work with a top-notch young friend of mine out here in Oregon uh, to do a brand that's my way, or that's our way. Sorry, sure. my way is wrong. That's doing it our way, uh, that's direct-to-consumer. That You know, like I said, there are so many winemakers out here that are amazing that just don't have the the outlet that i do sure. the 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 390 340 you whatever thousand people that i i get access to you can speak day. to correct right exactly so for me let me be a megaphone for them especially because i love what they're doing but i'm like how can i share this but like us how can i share us to them you know because a lot of people don't get a chance to try oregon pinot noir or oregon chardonnay or you know, Walla Walla Syrah and different ones so, like that. So, so I, I'm curious, Channing, you sound, your your podcast is awesome. Um, and your ability to to speak basketball is fantastic. But you're, you're, you sound more passionate about wine than you do that. Basketball, I am very passionate about what's right in front of me. Now, if we wanted to go off and, and talk basketball, I could be just as passionate about that. Sure. But, you know, right now, I do have a bottle of wine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, my favorite Chardonnay right in front of me. It's like uh, from Beaufort. It's a 2015 Chardonnay. And this was the inspiration for my Chardonnay. And, you know, somebody says, like, to talk basketball, the way I talk basketball on Twitter, on Instagram, or on TV, or NBA TV, is how I would talk in a barbershop or how I would talk in my house on my sofa. And so for me, I have to be who I am all the time. You're and in, in, in you're passionate about it, so you're in it. That's it. You're in it. Love it. I, I like when I do my show handles and Turner on NBA TV on Wednesdays during the regular season, I legit if, if you see my clips, every single game, I'm into it. Like I was there. And so when I was on the bench at the end of my career, I was talking to the young guys like I'm talking to you. I'm like or, or like I would say, that's a that's a bullshit shot. Don't shoot yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or hey, that would be crazy if James Harden did go to Toronto, right? Or you know, if uh, you know, or did the Bucks get better, right, with this trade for Drew Holiday? So all these things are fine with me, and I'm not saying I'm right because most of the time I'm probably wrong, 
Nobody knows what's going behind, but I love these conversations. I love the passion. Um, how, I love it. How I do you? NBA how, fans are the best. Do, do you? I'm curious on that one. Do you find? Can you have a filter? Yeah, I don't. I don't cuss on NBA TV, but, I, but yeah, forget but, the cussing. But just, uh, I'm I'm trying to imagine if <laughs> Channing Fry was talking about Channing Fry, the basketball player. How would you react to that guy talking about you? You know what I mean? If he was talking about me as a human? No, then, just like you're talking about, you know what? Oh, no, no, no. That's fine. Listen, I have had some amazing leaders in my time, guys that were way better than me, Hall of Fame basketball players. Now, if you don't have thick enough skin, you're the one that put the product out there. Yeah. If I sell you a bottle of wine and there's yeah. a cockroach in it, that's me. That's on me. I did yeah. that because I didn't check the quality, right? So... For me, when I play basketball, if we can't go over film and you tell me what I'm doing wrong, I'm not Michael Jordan. And I'm that's where the that's right. where the humility comes in, correct? Absolutely, right. Yeah. I, whenever I talk about a player, it is never about them as a person because I think there are some amazing guys doing amazing things in the league. When I talk about a player's game, it is my understanding of how to win in the NBA and whether is he playing winning basketball or is that a winning shot? That is it. That is absolutely it. It is not about how they dress, their opinions, or their political parties, or whatever. It is strictly basketball. So, so on on the website on on your wine, uh, which which you'll have to send me, which I'll buy. Right, right. Um, right. Chosen va family wines. It's under your bio. It says everyone's favorite teammate. <laughs> Why? Professional athletes need to be reminded that it's a fucking game, that it is a blessing to be able to be out there on the court for max 48 minutes, max. So you work so hard. Your parents have sacrificed, your grandparents, your uncles, everybody has sacrificed this for, this, for these games, these 82 games that can be taken away at any moment appreciate this smile a little bit and at the end of the day when i tell you you play like crap guess what you have another chance in two days you big journey sure. right it's not the end of the world oh my gosh you're playing basketball you lost why'd you lose maybe you should have lifted weights maybe you should have ate better maybe you should have meditated so you don't have anxiety before the game right this is evaluating yourself if you're scared to evaluate yourself you should not be in the nba so I have to remind guys, listen, you should always appreciate that, that little, even if it's 10 minutes, even if it's 10 minutes, just appreciate that time and take advantage of it because that 10 could turn into 40. Do people listen? Uh, people listen through consistency. And they know every team I've ever played on, I played behind the all-star, right, at my position. So, yeah, I've sat the bench a lot. But for me, they listen. And what I've seen is through the leaders that I think have influenced me the most is consistency. I can say something, but if I don't do it in the gym, if I don't do it in the game, whether we're winning or losing, we could be up 30, we could be down 30. I'm still going to have the same attitude, right? Because even if we're down 30 and you get your garbage minutes, take advantage of that. Get in shape, right? Get better. If... Uh... If you could, you could have gone pro your junior year, couldn't you? Yeah, but 
I wasn't, I had too much pride in wearing the, the uniform and I sat with our players and I said, we didn't, we got beat the first round by, uh, I forgot some scrubby team. Oh God, I forgot who it was. Now I erased that. But uh, I was like, man, I'm not done. Like the NBA is going to be there. And I promised Coach Olsen, uh, you know, God bless him, uh, he passed away recently, that before I left, I would give everything to the school because he gave me a chance as this low, as this low rank guy uh, to go to the opportunity to go to Arizona. So I took advantage of it. Would you, would you, ch would you change anything? No way. I, to go to the Knicks, to meet Isaiah, to be around, to play in the garden uh, for my parents before they passed away, uh, to see me play in the Knicks uniform was it, was everything, was everything. It made the rest of my career that much better. Um, it was it was awesome. Did, did you think you could go pro back in high school? Hell no. <laughs> so <laughs> I barely got a scholarship. I had to sign my junior year. No, all I thought about was the next step, the next day. I was so hungry to be the best in my bubble that I wasn't even worried about like anything else. I, I, like I was oblivious to the NBA in high school. So uh, who recruited you out of high school? So it started with New Mexico State, Grand Canyon, Virginia Tech, uh, like Oklahoma State, like those good, very good schools, but low D1. And then I went to a couple camps, um, and a assistant coach, Jay John from Arizona, came, and he goes, what schools are you thinking about? And I was like, I don't know, whatever anybody, you know, whatever's on the plate. And he goes, hey, come to this camp you know, this summer. I said, all right. So I went down to Tucson, went to a camp and they were like, all right, we want you. And one of my best friends, Richard Jefferson was already there. So they started recruiting me. But as the recruiting went, everyone was like, oh man, you know, I'm getting all these letters and telling me how good I am. My letters were chanting, you need to get in the weight room. Let's watch this film. You need to play harder. This is what you need to do unless you want to get redshirted your freshman year. So my senior year, we got done April 28th, I was on campus at summer school May 1st. So my senior year, I completely didn't even hang out that summer. I went right to school, right into the weight room, and was in there two, three times a day working on my game. Uh, it was pretty crazy. I was just like, what's so next? Who, who put it in? I, I love when no. I, uh, Warren Sapp, who is a great friend of mine, but he, he was, he, he was a he was a tight end out of high school. He was not good. It was Coach O uh, of LSU when he went to Miami. Basically said, "I'm going to make you a fantastic defensive lineman." And look what's that? Like someone got it in his head, yeah, and made him think, "I'm going to be something." Did, how, right. did anything? Did that happen with you? How does it? How do you go from somebody who's who's not recruited to to number eight pick? How does that happen? So my parents had everything to do with that. Um, both my parents, they were passive the best passive aggressive ninjas of all time, right? So my dad uh, would take me to the park when I was younger and wake me up on Saturdays at like 5.36 and be like, go down there, we're gonna drop you off at the Kiwanis Park and you're gonna play against grown men from six till two. And he would sit there, right? He'd get a coffee, he'd sit there, he'd read his paper. And every time he lost, he'd be like, if I smiled, he'd be like, well, that feels good. He goes, that feels good. You should have won that game. 
And then he would go back to reading this thing, and I would start to get mad. He yeah, goes, yeah. didn't you run? Like, because I would wake up and just run to get in better shape. And he'd be like, man, you're doing all this work to be a loser. And I'm like, damn. And then all of a sudden, I expected to win because of the work that I did. Now, if I lost, I would ask the person who busted my ass what they did. Or what did they do when they had their pro trade? Because I'm, you know, six, seven, six, eight. But when you play grown men, grown men got that yeah. grown man strength. So yeah. I had to learn how to play against those guys. And I would take my lumps and then learn humility. Like, hey, what was it? My dad would make me go to the man and say, hey, good game, even though I'm pissed. And I'd be like, man, I, I just want to know what your approach was towards me. And he'd be like, well, you're tall and you're standing straight up. So I just wanted to elbow you in your gut. Right? And then you left me alone. So then I'm like, all right, people are going to try to elbow me. I got to elbow them first. And then that type of attitude of like, prepare to win. And if you don't, learn why you didn't. Can prepare harder. When did, when did the NBA become realer or that idea come into it? When did that happen? Uh, when I got drafted. <laughs> so well, I was supposed to be a late first round pick right up until my senior year of Arizona. And then I had a crazy good NCAA tournament. I signed with Rob Palenka, the agent. Yeah. He, we started to go to Tim Grover's in Chicago and I did no workouts for any team. And I ended up getting drafted eighth. But what I didn't know at the time was they were, people were coming and were like, hey, who's this kid? They were like, yo, this is that kid Channing Fry. Like he works hard as shit. He's in here every day, twice a day. He's busting his ass when they're playing games, and he doesn't back down to anybody. And Isaiah Thomas took a liking to that, and I got drafted. So I asked Sap and I asked Muggsy the same thing. What's the difference between a guy who can spend 14 years in the NBA and a guy who can't stay in it? I, I love this word. It's are you Number one, are you a pro? And who do you think you are, and does that equate to winning? Right? So – uh, let's say I come out of college, right? And let's say I, in high school and college, I was the man and all I did was score. Score, 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 score. So I get drafted by a team. And now I'm playing with two other all-stars. Can you humble yourself, wait for your time, but continue to grow your game? So now you're just not a black hole. Like you actually have teammates who are better than you. A pro evolved. I never shot threes. I was a center in college, turned to a forward, Right. And then played some center my rookie year. And then I remember the time I had to play Shaq in Miami in 05. I was guarding him semi good the first three quarters. Fourth quarter, he looked at me, goes, sorry, little fry, and elbowed the shit out of me into the stanchion and dunked it. And I said, you know what? This center stuff ain't for me. It's not for you. It's not for me. So I ended up going to Portland. I learned how to win there. I was guarding, getting my ass bust, guarding LaMarcus Aldridge every single day every single day, but I learned how to, how to win and I learned how to guard centers. Then I got my first opportunity in Phoenix, like real, real opportunity. Um, and Alvin Gentry, Steve Nash, Amari, all those guys, Jason Richardson, Grant Hill, those were the leaders that taught me how to prepare to win. And if you didn't, how to prepare better. Um, and that, but ever since then, I just evolved every year in my, in my careers. Like I started half those games. Then I started all the next games. Then I went back to the bench and then I started some other teams. So I've been all around the, all around the world when it comes to every position in basketball. 
when you went when when you were traded to Cleveland, were you unbelievably happy at the opportunity that you know what this could be it? This could this is they want me for a reason, and now we can go win something. No, I was in Orlando, so I was like, "Get me the fuck out of here!" <laughs> <laughs> it was just so dysfunctional. The first thing, because Griff, the GM that traded for me, was the assistant GM of Phoenix, who gave me my chance yeah. with Steve Kerr. When I got traded there, the first thing that went to my mind was, "Oh shit!" Like I went from the worst team to the best team, and I go, "Am I prepared for this?" Right? Because I was, you know, I, I didn't know if I was going to get traded or not, but I'm on a booty team in Orlando, not going for anything, to now a team that's trying to win a chip. So luckily, LeBron was a great leader, Jay, uh, uh, Richard Jefferson, Kyrie, those guys, Kevin, Tristan, were like, hey, we need to catch you up to speed of how quick we do things. So that's work before. Practice at 11. I'm there at 8. <coughs> and stay until 2 going over the playbook, working out with Braun, doing extra conditioning, doing extra lifting, just <clears throat> just really just preparing myself to like be ready for when my time came. How many, what percentage of the league you think has your work ethic, has your ideals of what you should be doing for yourself and for your team? Uh, nowadays? Yeah. Honestly, maybe 70 to 80. Really that high? Yeah, but here's the problem is that we have phones and social media. So <clears throat> what happens is guys get okay with losing. You know, back in the day, if you back in the day if you lost, the only people that you could look to for comfort was your family. And most of the time they were keeping it real with you. Like, yo, you shot that too many times, that's why you lost. Young kids nowadays, they'll get all the stats in the world. When I call them loser stats, they'll get all these stats and say, oh, it's not my fault. Then they'll look on their phone, even though they got beat by 40, and all these people are like, oh, you did so good tonight. Look at your stats and, you know, showering them. But isn't the point, like, basketball is not Correct. about numbers. It's Correct. about letters, like winning and losing, right? You, you know, playing in Arizona, most of us didn't average 30, 40 points a night. Some nights we would get 12 and win by 30. That's yep. great. Yep. All it's about is winning. Just Win and move on. Win and move on. That's it. So uh, some history questions. Who was right, your favorite right. player growing up? Hakeem Olajuwon and Tim Duncan. Tim you Duncan, like, probably for sure. Because they're, did you, uh, they're big guys. You emulated the big guys. At the time, yeah. And I just felt like Hakeem Olajuwon was giving everybody buckets. Everybody buckets. And I just love his attitude. Uh, you know, for me, what he did in Houston, like just his footwork, um, his agility. And then for Tim Duncan, you know, being able to play against him, um, just his consistency. I think people forget about him because he was quiet. But this man had never not gone to the playoffs in 20 years. You're like, what? Yeah, You're yeah, like, yeah. Never, he was busting everybody's ass. Back who, was your, who, who was your favorite player while playing? Uh, I had three. Um, number one, have to be Dirk. I just felt like he was impossible to guard. Impossible yeah. to guard. Um, yeah. Man, this is hard. Number two, honestly, don't tell him I said this, was D-Wade. 
<laughs> Don't tell him I said this. Fuck that dude. <laughs> That's like my guy. He's like one of my favorite teammates. We were only teammates for seven months. Um, and then have, hold on. Have you, have you tried? Hold on. Have you tried his wine? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's good. <laughs> All right. Yours is better, though. <laughs> I, no, no, no. Wait, no, no, no. That's one I'm thing I kidding. never say because I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah, I get weird when people say it because I'm like, hey, listen. I I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, and Who's then number three? three would be Brandon Roy. Brandon Roy, and obviously, I'm close fourth and fifth would be Kobe and LeBron, right? But Brandon Roy, to me, as his teammate, to see. People sleep on him. He was busting everybody's ass. He was unstoppable, unstoppable, and barely could jump unless he had to. I saw him get his knees drained and go get Phoenix 52 points the same night. Bananas. Do do you think in the NBA today, do you think there are players that – are better than they are coached, meaning they could do more somewhere else. They could be much more that you and you're. It, it can happen for them. They're just not in the right spot, or they don't see it. Yeah, holy, yeah, um, yeah. I think opportunity and and so the way the NBA works is like, if you get a, if you go to a talented team, and that team is very good and they want to win they're most likely going to make you, they're going to make you earn it. And I'm going to use examples as Andre Godala went to the 76ers when they had Allen Iverson. Yeah. Paul George was on the Indiana Pacers when they had Danny Green, Derek West, or David yep. West, those teams. Kawhi Leonard went to the Spurs. D. Wade went to, they started to build around D. Wade in, in Miami, right? And so those guys end up doing better because they've had to earn it, right? So there are a lot of guys that haven't learned how to earn their time yet. They've just been given it. Now, when they learn how to earn their time and they learn how to make winning plays consistently, that's when their peak is hit to me as a player. And a lot of these guys, for instance, a lot of guys, like guys from New York right now, they're just in a uh, assessed talent mode. Guys right now from Cleveland, they're in assessed talent mode, so they're given minutes. You're not going to see them be their best until they actually have to earn it. You, does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. It so does. If, if you fuck up, you know somebody's coming off the bench to come get your, get your time. You're going to pay attention to what you're doing out there. And you're going to dive on the ball. You're going to make those winning plays. You're going to make that extra pass because that's going to get you an extra minute on the court. Because coach is going to say, damn, we're winning. I can't take them out. Do you think you could be a coach? I wouldn't. I can't deal with... Uh, I can't deal with that many people at one time. <laughs> mm. Like, I can't. No, that's a good, I, I get that. I, I see what you're saying. Upper management. I'm an idea guy, right? Yeah. I'm like, th- what do you want? Who can we get? Let's go with the idea. Somebody say, do the numbers work? Yes or no? For me, I have ideals. And I think winning comes from culture, not from talent. Winning comes from. Do you think you when can build – all right, so, so do you think you could build a team – you think you can – in the NBA, and it hasn't happened, can you, build a, can you build a champion without having a superstar? Nowadays, no. You think but it's impossible? You it's couldn't impossible. pick 
you couldn't pick five players, put them together, who are not in the top ten and win. No, because LeBron is an NBA. In Miami's culture, is of winning is too good. Uh, Toronto's culture, but but you give me four guys who are in in a coach in a GM that are all in one page, and the culture is about winning, and that's it. And I could put any superstar on that team if they want to win. We're going to win a chip. When you see when you hear about Harden going to the Nets, does that as a as a fan of basketball, how does that make you feel? Uh, I'm curious. I also feel like, like, how is that going to work? Um, I'm curious to see if it does, but I'm also like, I would, like I said, and the reason, the real reason I said Toronto, right. Is because I feel like James Harden is so underappreciated for what he does, right. Because his game is, is impossible to emulate. Yeah. No one else can do that. So we hate on things that we don't understand. So for me to go to Toronto, where they have a culture of playing defense, winning, harden those guys, if he can go there, it'll change his narrative of, is he not a winner? Because James Harden, since he's been in Houston, remember, he was a sixth man in Oklahoma City, went to Houston, and they have not not missed the playoffs since he's been there. Sure. His career has gone every year. Do you know how hard it is to get better every single year when you're the man? Yeah. And so they created a system that only he can do. So to go to a place like Toronto, and obviously there's other options, he would be surrounded by people that do things better than what he does, which, I mean, defensively. He's top two, top three in NBA and offense. They are top two, top three on defense. So to surround him with people who do things that he necessarily doesn't do well is is what he needs to do. So going Channing, to the net where they do that, it, I don't see where that helps. Channing, what's next for you? Do you have a, do you set goals? Do you have do you have a plan? Do you do you think about well, tomorrow? I used to struggle with bad anxiety because I'm a web thinker, right? Yeah. So I think, okay, tomorrow if I do this, what if this happens? What if that happens? And then it just spreads out. I uh, when I had my heart issue, I was doing yoga every single day. And the thing that stuck with me was meditating. So every day I take like 10 minutes. The most I've done is 40 in one spot, which is hard. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But meditation for anybody that is dealing with anxiety now because of COVID, because of the presidential election, whether you were sad or happy, whatever, I don't care. Taking 10 minutes and just shutting the fuck up and listening yeah. to yourself will absolutely rejuvenate you. So for me to think about tomorrow would be disrespecting this opportunity that I have with my family that I may never get again. Yeah. And so if I'm always like, what's next, what's next, what's next, I'm gonna fuck up on my operations of what I need to get done now. I just can't, I can't, I try not to. I like to plan, I like vacations. I can't plan shit right now because of COVID. But it also, you, you seem, uh, a lot of what you say, I, it resonates with me, and it, but it also, at the same time, I can imagine you saying, God, I'm thinking too much. Oh, way too much. I'm thinking too much. I'm overanalyzing everything. I'm, there's too much, you know, I'm trying, almost trying too hard can actually hurt you, if you know what I mean. You know what? When you're trying too hard, it, when it comes to the wine business, you need to hire somebody 
that doesn't try that hard that can catch you up to speed about what you don't know. Exactly. So for exactly. me, for me, I have surrounded myself with three different people that are so good at what they do, but they can't do what I do. That every day I'm learning from them. Like yep. I'm the CEO, and so every day I know what my job is, but I'm trying to learn a little bit of their job so that we can, and they're trying to do a little bit of my job so that we can better ourselves. We can elevate each other. Yep. Right. Uh, on that note, Channing, anything I can do, you know, we play a big role in the wine and spirits world. So anything I can do to help you guys, please ask, please ask. I will. Yeah, we'll reach out. Do, a anything I can do. Yeah, I've got a, I've got all the scars to prove to, uh, 20 <laughs> plus years of this. So, but anything. Oh, man. But before we end, I do a quick, quick word association. I'm going to ask you one word. Give me a one word answer. All right. All right. Richard Jefferson. Oh, Ugly. <laughs> Wildcats. Uh, greatest. Huh? MSG, Madison Square Garden. Ooh, Mecca. Trailblazers. Home. LeBron. Goat. Tobias Harris. Cousin. <laughs> congrats. He just got good. Oh, congrats. Chosen Wines. Delicious. Lute Olson. Um, mentor. NBA Twitter Live. Ah, fun. All right. <laughs> Channing, I love talking to you. You know, this is I, the best, I, man. Thank I, you. I, I, I love it. I think, again, I love these conversations because I get I need motivation and I get motivated by listening to people and how they got to where they are and hearing you talking about being humble and constantly and you did it from a young age, that idea that you're asking somebody, hey, how did you do that? And how can I yeah. learn from you? To me, that's inspiring because the beauty is you're accepting that, you know what, I'm not there. Yeah. And as long as you accept that, you're always going to get better. Always. Yeah. And Which I, is tight. I've been doing it's so tight. Correct. So I think it's awesome. Any, I love talking to you. Anything I could possibly do, um, let's stay connected. And uh, I appreciate it. Stay healthy, wear your mask, and social distance. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah, and you too. Mask it keep up. drinking. Keep drinking. All right. Shit. All right. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Thanks, Cheers, Shannon. Man. Thank you. Thank you, guys.